is the words that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand in the gate of the house of the Lord, and there call out this word. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah, who enter through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Correct your ways and your actions, and I will allow you to live in this place. Do not trust deceitful words, chanting, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. Instead, if you really correct your ways and your actions, if you act justly toward one another, if you no longer oppress the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, and no longer shed innocent blood in this place, or follow other gods, bringing harm on yourselves, I will allow you to live in this place, the land I gave to your ancestors long ago and forever. But look, you keep trusting in deceitful words that cannot help. Do you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods that you have not known? Then do you come and stand before me in this house that bears my name and say, We are rescued, so we can continue doing all these detest detestable acts? Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers in your view? Yes, I too have seen it. This is the Lord's declaration. But return to my place that was at Shiloh, where I made my name dwell at first. See what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel. Now because you have done all these things, this is the Lord's declaration. And because I have spoken to you time and time again, but you wouldn't listen. And I've called to you, but you wouldn't answer. What I did to Shiloh, I will do to the house that bears my name, the house in which you trust, the place that I gave you and your ancestors. I will banish you from my presence, just as I banished all of your brothers, all the descendants of Ephraim. Let's pray together. Well, Father, we uh, come to study your word this morning and have it speak to us, and have you speak to us through it. Uh, and as we do so, we remember those among us who have uh, special needs this morning, as we've talked about them here briefly. Uh, we pray especially uh, for, uh, for Glenn and, and his wife Pam as they have surgeries this week, oh Lord. Uh, we pray for the other things we've talked about. We, we pray for Marla Feeney, Lord, and her condition. And we remember the Blissets and the Sinclairs and the Powells and Oh, there's just so many. We remember Connie who's here with us today. It's so good to have her here. And so we remember all these things. But we want you to speak powerfully to us. Stir up the spirit within us, O oh Lord, that we might take to heart what you have for us in this lesson today. I pray for us to have good hearing and, and good speaking as we do so. For we do it all in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, let's get our bearings. Uh, following the reign of Solomon, uh, Israel split the northern kingdom, uh, which retained the name of Israel, and the southern kingdom was Judah. And, and God judged the apostasy, apostasy of the northern kingdom and their destruction by Assyria around 721 B.C. And the southern kingdom should have learned from this that is, you don't mess with the Lord. You don't mess with Yahweh, the living God. But they also ran away from God. And even though several king-led reforms were attempted, 
the hearts of the people were unchanged. Their sinfulness would bring God's judgment eventually. And God called Jeremiah to be his spokesman to the southern kingdom around 627 B.C. when Josiah was the king. And what was God's message to the people? Return to me or suffer the consequences of, of my judgment of you. And, and that judgment would be to the same degree as your sin. You can count on it. Jeremiah chapters 2 through 6 begins a summary of their atrocious uh, behavior. And we left off last week in chapter 2. Now we're going all the way to chapter 7. But if you want to get an idea of, of these things, uh, chapter 5, verse 30, for instance. In chapter 5, verse 30 and 31, uh, we have this. An appalling, horrible thing has taken place in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests rule by their own authority. Right? And my people love it like this. And in chapter 6, verse 15, were they ashamed when they acted so detestably? They weren't at all ashamed. They can no longer feel humiliation. All right? Uh, and in my preparation for today, I, I, I'd used all of the Lifeway materials uh, uh, that I had available to me, as well as I relied on the commentary by John Guest. And I've used all of that and I'm feeding some of that to you today. And, and at this point, John Guest writes, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No. Then he says, nor did they know how to blush. They didn't even know how to blush. And you know, our world is getting to be like that. You know? We are, day by day, getting away from knowing how to blush. Judah's problem was total, it was shameless, and God must ultimately punish her, or else, as John Guest put it, he doesn't, he knows Sodom and Gomorrah, an apology. Think about our world today. So it was this back and forth, God's offer of redemption and proclamation of severe judgment that occurs over and over in Jeremiah's preaching. Uh, it reminds me of the story of, of a woman in, who left the Sunday morning worship service and was speaking to the pastor and telling the pastor how good that sermon was. That's such a good sermon. But, you know, you preach that same sermon three Sundays in a row now. <laughs> you don't need, do you know that? And the pastor says, yes, I'm going to keep preaching until people listen to it and do what it says. And that was what Jeremiah said over and over. And we'll see this throughout the book. We'll have 12, we have 12 sessions in Jeremiah. 
and uh, this is the third. So we are, with today, we will, when we complete today, we will be three out of 12, 25%, the mathematician can tell it, 25% <laughs> It's 51 chapters, and that's why we're gonna take it in chunks, all right? We can't get through 51 chapters in 12, 12 <coughs> sessions without doing that. So we're about ready to begin Jeremiah chapter 7 now. Uh, I also used uh, some remarks by uh, Angleton, Angleton, Texas pastor, uh, uh, Sean Thomas. Uh, in 1870, back in 1870, France was at war with Prussia, Prussia, what we know as, as Germany today. The Germans had the better of it early, and their army advanced all the way to Paris. But the Parisians were cheerful, one observer said, because they thought their city was invulnerable to enemy armies. The entire city was surrounded by a wall, 30 feet high, and there was a moat in front of that. There were 16 fortresses in the walls that made up a 60-mile ring around the city, with 500,000 soldiers guarding it. The huge central park of Paris had 100,000 sheep 80, and 80,000 cattle to feed the people in case of a siege. And they were not worried. They trusted their defenses. Their city would not fall. But on Monday afternoon, September the 19th, 1870, the Prussians cut off all roads to Paris and the city was under siege and it went on for months. The Prussians began shooting artillery into the city and the food began to run out. And soon they were eating horses and pets. People were dying and starving. And on January the 27th, 1871, about four months after the siege began, Paris surrendered. Their trust that Paris could not fall was misplaced. And the people of Judah and Jerusalem in Jeremiah's day found themselves in a similar way. They trusted that because they had the temple of the Lord. They had the temple uh, of the Lord with them and there in Jerusalem. And so they would be delivered from their enemies, but God told them through Jeremiah, this was not so. If they didn't get their lives right with him, then they would regret it. So chapter 7 of Jeremiah is sometimes referred to as Jeremiah's temple sermon. As we've seen pre previously, this wasn't really Jeremiah's sermon. It was the Lord's. It was Yahweh's. So this isn't just any God who's, who's speaking uh, to, to them. This is Yahweh, the God of the Bible. And he says, and, and it's the God who made heaven and the earth, who appeared to Moses and who just delivered Israel from Egypt. This God, Yahweh, it was not Baal or any of the other uh, gods in their uh, time they worshiped. We see this name of Yahweh all through uh, Jeremiah and the rest of the Old Testament. So we can watch for, for that. We know it's Yahweh when we see Lord written how? In caps. All in caps. All in caps. And so we know it's that. All right. And so we're going to bend, begin with verses 1 and 2. The setting of this Jeremiah's sermon, or the Lord Yahweh's sermon. This is what the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord 
stand in the gate of the house of the Lord and there call out this word. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah who enter through these gates to worship the Lord. All right, so this wasn't any God. This was Yahweh, the God of the Bible, uh, speaking to them. All right. Now, then, these are not just Jeremiah's words. These are God's words. Uh, so we need to treat them that way. Uh, it's not, the Bible just doesn't give it what somebody's opinion is here. All right. The, God, the Bible delivers what God wants us to know. It's God's word. This is the one thing we cannot concede whenever we talk with people about the Bible uh, because it's just not somebody's opinion. Uh, they're the words of God. So where was Jeremiah to preach this particular sermon? Well, he was to preach it at the gate of the Lord's house. And we can imagine the gate of the temple. Uh, it was probably a main gate, which would be the southern gate into the temple complex. Right? And so the temple complex uh, is where they came to worship. They came to uh, offer sacrifices. And they came to uh, have their sins forgiven through all of those rituals. And so, it, so his position, Jeremiah's position at the gate would be like... Uh, having someone standing at the front door of our church, a building on a Sunday morning, preaching to everybody who was coming in. Uh, and, and why do you suppose uh, Jer God had Jeremiah preach the sermon uh, at the temple gate? Why would that be so? People came and went through the gate. People came and went through the gate, yes. The message was to God's people We've got to remember this. This sermon is not to the Gentiles. It's not to the nations around Israel or Judah. This is, these are God's people that he's preaching to. God's people was their sin. And they were coming to, to the temple to, to worship. All right? Was the outdoors so uh, long-standing that... It, his voice would be carried for a distance. I, yeah, I cannot tell you that. I can imagine it was kind of noisy. noisy. So as the people came in, they would get, he would get their attention through all of this. How many stopped to listen? I don't know, but he let them know. And I've so, been downtown Atlanta when they would preach on the corners. You probably have many years ago there'd be a yes. preacher down particularly yes. near Riches. <laughs> yeah. And and people would stop and his voice did carry even though it was yeah. very flat and all cement and buildings around him. Yeah, man, you know, Jarvis Smith who was a street preacher. Jones. Jarvis. Jones. Jarvis Jones. <laughs> Jarvis Jones, a street preacher. Oh. And uh, who frequents uh, our facility every once in a while, you know. Have you ever been to one of these uh, plays where it was done outdoors and there's no speakers or something? Mm -hmm. An amphitheater, yes. Yeah, and you could hear what they were saying, you know, even they didn't. Have you ever been to some of those shows? Yes. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, because in some of those, you can't see it, but they've got microphones, you know, like they've got the floodlights around the, uh -huh. the, uh, the, uh, the stage, the platform where they're performing. There will be microphones. You don't see them from where we sit, where you, the spectator sits, but they're, they're, they're there to amplify some of the sound. Uh, well, in this case, uh, these were supposed to be God's people. And in some way, in the same way, then this message is to us as God's people today. So he starts with this word. He says, hear, and hear, I want you to hear. In the Hebrew, it carries the sense of listening and obeying. Uh, you know, obeying like, you know, we did not tell you to, to, to wipe your feet before you come into the house. Get the dirt and mud off you. It's like that type of thing. You're, when you hear it, when somebody tells you something like that, I don't know who would tell you something like that, but would, you would do it, right? <laughs> or you, if you forgot, you'd be told you forgot. All right? But it carries that kind of connotation. So the people were uh, entering the temple to worship the Lord. And, and, and in the Hebrew term used here for worship, it means to as our books will point out to us, bow down to uh, or prostrate oneself before an authority. Uh, and so in the context of the temple, it meant humbly, humbly acknowledging God's sovereignty over their, their lives. One of the things, <clears throat> I'm on the search committee for getting us uh, a worship pastor. And we haven't searched out anyone yet. Matter of fact, we haven't even gotten around to the resume point. We've been studying. Been studying all about worship. If you're going to have a worship pastor, you better understand what worship is all about. Because it's a big emphasis on worship. And I dare to say that a large portion of our congregation <coughs> on Sunday has no idea what worship is really about. Ever <coughs> <clears throat> well, they were entering to worship the way they thought worship should be. Uh, that was their situation. The irony of Judah's worship was that it consisted of rituals uh, alone and with, with no carryover into personal living. Right? It would be like you and me coming to church on Sunday and we sing and we pray, and we listen to a sermon, and then we depart, we leave, unchanged, just like when we first came in. Our worship shall always change us. So, what was the message of Jeremiah's uh, sermon this particular day? All right, begins with, this is what the Lord of armies, all right, Lord of armies, that is the Lord of hosts, the one who has power over all creation. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. Correct your ways and your actions and I will allow you to live in this place. Correct your ways, amend, reform, in other words, your ways, your God's standard of living. Live 
like God's covenant people. And so, how are they behaving? How are they living? Well, we'll see that as we listen to the rest of the sermon. All right? And, and so what we're going to see throughout there, there's an if and then there's a, a then. All right? There's an if and then. And so, if they change, then God will do what? In this case, God will allow them to live in this place. And this place was Jerusalem. It was Judah. This is the land God had given them. It was their, their promised land. Verse 4 says, Do not trust deceitful words. Chanting, This is the temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. The temple of the Lord. And so, God had, and so that God has, Jeremiah tell them, don't trust in deceptive words, deceitful words, saying this is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, repetitively. So, what was going on was, was this. They thought since the temple was there, that they were invulnerable to any enemy attack. They had the temple of the Lord. It almost became like a superstition uh, within. Uh, they just kept saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. You know, as long as we chant that, we're all right. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know how superstitious you are. I don't know if, we, if, if you wear a cap and when you go to a Braves game that they're behind, you want them to rally near the end of the game if you turn your cap around. That's a superstition, all right? That'll help. That'll help. There are other superstitions you can think of that people carry. Carry a rabbit's foot or some trinket. Uh, anything like that is superstition. But to them, and it's true, the temple represented the presence of Yahweh. Well, we've got our, our temple, they would say. It's our good luck charm. As long as we have it, we're going to be okay. Just, just like the city of Paris, all right? It was false, false trust. The walls uh, of Paris did not save them in 1870, and the Temple of Jerusalem would not save the Jews in 587 B.C. when the Babylonians invaded. In a sense, their faith was in the Temple itself, not the Lord. Sean Thomas remarks, he says, I think there's some application for our country today. For a couple of centuries, we have been protected from uh, foreign invasion by the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans, and, and more recently by our military might. To many Americans, invasion is unthinkable. We are America, land of the free, home of the brave. I believe God may be saying to our country today, don't have a false trust. Amend your ways and your deeds I'll let you dwell in this place. Otherwise, there's judgment coming. And then note, in the next string of verses, uh, there's, there are always if. There's always an if followed by then. All right, beginning with verse number five. Instead, 
if you really correct your ways and your actions, if you act justly toward one another, if you no longer oppress the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, and no longer shed innocent blood in this place, or follow other gods, bringing harm on yourselves, I will allow you to live in this place, the land I gave your ancestors long ago and forever. Now these things he's talked about, these sins, these actions, their sins, these are all covered in the Ten Commandments and the Mosaic Law. Obviously these people were simply, if you want to get right down to it, lawbreakers, breakers of those laws. Uh, at least they were as God's special possession people. But you and I, we live by grace, right? We live by, by grace. But we got to remember, Jesus says, we are to love God and love who? Neighbor. Neighbor as ourselves. That's what we are to do. That brackets the Ten Commandments completely. That was the, that's the chief. That's the chief. And so, if the people chose to submit themselves to God, he had allowed them to live in the promised land. Uh, the inheritance he had given their ancestors long ago and forever. God had delivered them uh, from centuries of slave, slavery in Egypt. He had led them to this land. He had promised to Abraham. Uh, nevertheless, that promise of God required obedience. Disaster would come if the people turned away from him to other gods. Dishonoring God's commands. Dishonoring God's commands is dishonoring God. I will allow you, verse 7 says, to live in this place, the land I gave you to your ancestors long ago. But look, you keep trusting in deceitful words that cannot help. That cannot help. There's a TV commercial. I'm sure you may have seen it if you watch any TV at all. It says the worst lies are the ones you tell yourself. The worst lies are the ones you tell yourself. And so God says, you need to stop following this path that's going to be that's going to leading you to destruction. Destruction. <clears throat> Verse 9. Do you steal? Okay. It's covered by the eighth commandment. Murder, sixth commandment. Commit adultery, the seventh. Swear falsely, the ninth. Burn incense to Baal. Baal was a uh, Canaanite, Canaanite uh, fertility deity we talked about in other lessons. Uh, that's in the second commandment. And follow other gods that you have not known. Follow other gods. 
First commandment. First commandment. Verse 10 then says, the part of the sermon. Then do you come and stand before me in this house that bears my name and say, we are rescued so we can continue doing all these detestable acts. These people thought just by uh, coming to the temple was enough to guarantee God's blessing on them. No matter how they lived, even if they lived wickedly the rest of the time. But God's saying what? You can't break all of my commandments and then run back here and think I'm going to save you because you're in the temple. He says, that's just not going to work. God knew the corruption that filled their hearts and how they lived when they were away from the temple complex. In, in the same way, in the same manner, what you and I do affects our relationship with God. So our worship must embody a confession of our sins. We want to stay and the right relationship with God. Verse 11. Has this house which bears my name become a den of robbers in your view? Yes, I too have seen it. This is the Lord's declaration. So God through Jeremiah refers to them as being thieves because they've robbed him of things that are most dear to him his status and his people and these robbers or these thieves were taking refuge from their sins in the very place God had set up to reveal and deed and deal with their sins and then Jeremiah repeats the fact that these words are from Yahweh familiar phrase this is the Lord's declaration. It's not from me. This is the Lord's declaration. So just so you will know that I'm serious about these words, God says, I'm going to give you an example of what I can and I will do. But return to my place that was at Shiloh, where I made my name well at first see what I did to it because of the evil of my people Israel now Shiloh was a little ways well I think it was about 12 to 15 miles north of Jerusalem uh, it was in the territory of Ephraim uh, in, in, in the land of Canaan uh, and that's where Israel God had Israel set up the tabernacle at Shiloh it became the Jerusalem of that day. Uh, this was long before the day of the sermon. Uh, but later, after they had set up the temple, made the tabernacle, the priest Eli and his sons Hophni and Phinehas brought shame to, to, to Shiloh. Uh, and though the prophet Samuel also served there, uh, the, the Philistines defeated 
Israel and captured the Ark of the Covenant there. They destroyed Shiloh, and that was around 1050 B.C. Jeremiah issues this challenge. See what I did to it? Shiloh had been Israel's worship center, but God destroyed it because of the people's evil ways. He would do the same to Jerusalem. Is it possible he would do the same here? Verse 13, now because you have done all these things, again, this is the Lord's declaration. And because I have spoken to you time and time again, but you would not listen, and I have called to you, but you wouldn't answer. He had given his people uh, the law, other scripture. He had sent prophets. He had called them over and over, and they had chosen to ignore him and his messenger. It's sort of like a parent, you know. You can recall these days, I think, uh, speaking to the kids or something like, I've told you over and over a thousand times to not leave those Lego pieces scattered about on the living room floor. I told you. That's God's message to us. Told you and told you we have the scripture. We even have the new covenant now. We know more. All right. Think about our ways. Our ways. Your ways. All right. And he says in first, he uh, says in verse 13. All right. Brian uh, Bayer, or Bayer, I don't know how his name is pronounced in writing in Lifeway materials. He points out in his commentary, God continues to call people today. He calls us through the scriptures, but he also speaks to us through faithful pastors, uh, through uh, the council of Christian friends. Uh, God, he's given us every opportunity to follow him, but he also has given us a choice whether we will do that or not. Verse 14, he declares, What I did, what I did to Shiloh, I will do to the house that bears my name, the house in which you trust, the place that I gave you and your ancestors. I will banish you from my presence just as I banished all your brothers, all the descendants. Israel. They trusted in a building made by their ancestors, not in the God who gave them that building, its meaning and its purpose. And so I think sometimes we're, we are uh, guilty of things like that. Maybe it's not a building, maybe it's not a building, but perhaps when we come together to worship, we worship a format, all right? We have many complaints registered often. We need to get back to having the choir sing, all right? Right before the sermon and not some other time. We need to have the offering. We need to have the offering plates passed. And that needs to be right before the choir sings, all right? We need to have the 
we need to we need to not the lightning for this we need to be singing out of the hymn book <laughs> the old hymn book uh, yeah. I hear that amen <laughs> but we 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 will uh, and, and we come away we come to worship no we often it's not to worship God often we come together just to judge and to complain about how things are and the way we do certain things all right. Can I speak for just a minute? Well, I'm one of the ones that hollered about the hymn book. All right. I, I'm it's a, not the hymn book so much. It's what the Word says. I can sing, or you can get up and sing all Sunday morning and these little songs they're singing. I don't go out of here and repeat those during the week because they don't mean nothing did. to me. The words of the hymns mean something. They're my faith. I when agree. I am desperate for God's leadership, Hymns come back to me. Yes. Well, then now, I, if you say I'm complaining, I'm complaining, people. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And, I'm and, guilty, and I, Lord. Heal me. Yeah. I, I I get that. I get that. I understand. You probably feel the same I way, do. Ken Travis. I, 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 you know me. You know me. <laughs> and my, my uh, I love uh, for the hymns. Not that I love the hymns uh, as they are. I love the text of the hymns. Exactly. Many of them are so deep. Uh, unfortunately, some of them in the hymn book are maybe a little questionable. But a lot of the, the things that's being sung today are questionable. And, and so that's one of the requirements. One of the things that Adam has uh, brought to our attention as a search committee, he came in and met with us well, one Sunday afternoon, and, and he, he pointed out that some of the more uh, modern or contemporary songs are uh, have some questionable lyrics, all right, that are not don't represent good theology. At any rate, uh, what God says to them, where their trust is, is not in Him. They don't come to worship Him. They they worship the building. Their lives don't show any relationship to Him. All right, all right, and so that. That building that God gave them, the, the, the temple, had it had meaning and it had had purpose. But to them, it was just a superstitious sanctuary. They went through rituals, and that was what it was good for. They went through emotions, and didn't carry through to their lives. So God says to them, "I'm going to banish you from my presence." And the word that's translated here is "banish." It carries a forceful meaning. It, it carries the meaning of hurling something hurling sportsman. I will hurl you from my presence that's what God said just like the descendants of Ephraim referring there to the northern kingdom of Israel so what's the bottom line here this is what will happen to you if you don't change your way And I think we need to take that to heart. So what do I conclude from all of this? One, listen to God's message and act on what he says. Two, demonstrate your faithfulness by showing love to others. Three, 
confront your sin instead of making excuses for it. The worst lies you tell yourself. Four, true worship is carried out through godly living. Live like child of God who you are. Live like people of his possession. You've been bought with a price. Live like it. Done. Two minutes to spare. Remarks. I've already said my piece. <laughs> Linda has said her piece. And I'm the only one that was speaking up. I know. Why is the church not speaking up? Well, I. They are, but not coming. Yeah. Well, our attendance yeah, yeah. is so yeah, off. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And so. Well, yeah. let, let me hearken back to another story about the time of, of the prophet Samuel. All right. Remember that Israel's first king, Saul, lost his kingdom. And one of the stories that you remember of that was when he was supposed to devote a whole town to the Lord. But he decided it would be a better idea to save all the sheep and all the animals and bring them back to I don't know if it was Jerusalem at that time. But he was going to have a big sacrifice. And Samuel confronted him and said, Why didn't you obey the Lord? And he said, I did obey the Lord. And I brought all these animals to worship him. And Samuel said, Really? You obeyed the Lord? Why do I hear the bleeding of sheep? Because you weren't mm -hmm. supposed to spare the sheep. And the phrase that Samuel told Saul, still important today, that obedience is more important than worship, than sacrifice. To obey is better than the sacrifice. We cannot worship God effectively without obedience. Mm -hmm. Any worship that doesn't involve obedience to God's command is not accepted. It doesn't matter where you are or how hard you work at it. Obedience is the heart of worship. And we have to still remember that today. Thank you. That's right. Uh, when the temple, when Solomon's temple, and that's what we're talking about here, it had been, at this time it had been, uh, uh, our, the sermon, Jeremiah, it had been, uh, how would I say, refurbished several times. But it's original, uh, when it was originally dedicated, all right? Originally, and you can read about this chapter 7 in Second Chronicles. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble, humble themselves, seek my pray. face, and pray, and turn from, and turn from wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven and do what? Heal their land. Heal their land. Let's pray. Father, we, your word is, is vital to us. It's our source of life. With Jesus, our Savior, our Savior, the Holy Spirit who lives within us, 
as you as Father. And so as we depart this place this morning, may it be ever in our minds that we obey, that our, that our lives show our presence, show your presence in our lives through the Holy Spirit. May he work through us, and as we worship this morning, may it show. For we do it all in Christ's name. Amen. 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 Thank you.